Hi! For this makeover challenge, I really wanted to cover Ursula's Cro Magnum brow with my signature blunt bang. Hi! For this makeover challenge, I thought I'd house one of those many souls I've stolen in Condi Nasty's body, bringing her grand total to one. And this is Reading Drag Race, the show where we talk about whatever we want. But mostly RuPaul's Drag Race. And just like that cow Clara, we're here with you today to discuss and recap RuPaul's Drag Race Season 13, Episode 10, The Makeover Challenge. Hey, Hersla, how you doing? Um, I was okay, but then I forgot it's daylight savings time and we all lost an hour. And you know what, fucking farmers, if you want more daylight, get up earlier. Stop making the rest of us do it. And w- while we're here. Speaking as a night owl, the discrimination has to stop. In ancient times, people like me would tend the fire while you all slept. We, we counted the stars, and then we named them, and we came up with all the really fun poetry. And just in this industrialized society that values waking up at dawn for some completely irrational reason, I, I'm, I'm not in a good mood. Uh, so I'm going to drink my coffee and let Condi Nasty keep going because clearly I'm not ready for interacting with people. There is some truth to that, though. There's a lot of studies regarding, like, different cycles and the, the way in which our society is built to preference morning people and treat them like they are inherently more, um, like, productive pe- members of society because they are productive in the morning as opposed to the evening. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I knew, I had a friend when I lived in Boston in my 20s who was a Harvard PhD who very much was specifically focused on that that that's all that's you're not lying anyways with that um we're here to discuss the makeover challenge in covid times wherein they're making over their sister and i gotta say my first thoughts that's some bullshit and also why is tina the confessional queen now what were your first thoughts on this we'll obviously get into the details but yeah, um, I was excited because, what was it, There, they did this in what, season one as a mini challenge, right? Mm-hmm. Was do the other queen's makeup? Am I rem- I'm remembering that correctly? Yeah. And then, was it an all-star one? Because I remember the, the, the foam hands. Yeah, we don't have to, like, this no, isn't no. a trivia. Go ahead. But it, it excited me just because I, there's something... I think the best makeover challenges tend to be the ones where the participant is the most game, where they're, you know, it's not like early seasons where there was a little bit of, why did you sign up for this? Did you not know what we meant when we said drag? Jo- Jocelyn um, Fox. Oh, that, she, she was done dirty. She, she, was, was, she really was. <laughs> like, no question. So I liked it on, much like, uh, like my personal favorite makeover challenge is the crew, uh, just because it was, oh, yeah. it was season nine, per- for sure. Yeah that perfect intersection of people who don't do drag, but people who are excited and respectful of it. And I was like excited on that level of like, well, at least they're not going to be like, what's a tuck. So I was there for that. And I think it is fun. This idea of watching someone else interpret your drag, getting to paint another queen. I think there's, there's something leveling about it. There's something weirdly intimate about it, especially because they've been together in a weird way for yeah. so long. I mean, on some level, this is like, we have to do it this way this year. And we haven't done it this way before for a reason, but we all understand the circumstances. And I do think, like, I think the show has waxed and waned in its explorations of how to do this. Um, and some of them have been successful, some have not. I don't remember, nor do I want you to try to recall, 
the, what the season four one was, but emotionally my memory of is was you're going to make over hostile Florida trash. And one of them <laughs> is going to be really mouthy with Chad Michaels. Like, I don't remember what the actual category was. I, I also really enjoyed the family makeovers of All Stars too. <laughs> oh, that was great. Katya's mom is still like... Oh, I love Katya's mom. One of my top ten looks, honestly. Yeah, no, she's great. And I would just, like, I would love to meet Pat. <laughs> um. Anyways, uh, so, yeah. I mean, it's a mixed bag. I think when you're making over other drag queens, you're going to get a lot of... They have really... I mean, it's a lot of big personalities and big egos who are in the world of the art of illusion who very much will be critical like i'm i think that the edit looks like the girls were really trying to be accommodating and collaborative and open and not let their inner no i always contour this way to hide my this bumper to feminize this feature i'm sure there was a lot of that at least internally if not externally but yeah i think i think there's like an intimacy here but also a this person knows how to do this for themselves already and is probably not wanting to be on TV looking busted. So yeah, um, I, I'll give the girls credit. They were great sports, I think. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this was a surprisingly drama-free uh, episode. I agree. And I think it served the episode. I I mean, you know you know me. I, I'm not, I, I am not here for inorganic uh, reality shenanigans. So, yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, Okay, so let's just let's just get into it. So I love that Utica came back from the lip sync at the top of the episode and was like, "I feel empowered," and everybody else was like, "No!" Like Candice was very no, like the whole moment. The physical comedy, the editing there was very good. The look in Candy's eyes of like, "Absolutely not, bitch!" No, Nasus was great. No, that was that was perfect. Yeah, like yeah, she was like a pluck string. Oh my, Utica, you can have a negative feeling. It doesn't make you a bad person. No, I believe her though. <laughs> That's the thing. I believe, I believe that that really invigorated her. And frankly, I think that's good. The like, I almost went home, but I didn't. I killed that lip sync, and I'm here, and we're so close to the end. And I pulled myself out of that. And now that I'm looking at that damn finish line and I want to run to it. And a lot of other people, I think it would make them feel defeated. And for her, it like was a reminder of how close she was to the finish line. It inspired her. And hey, fake it till you make it. No, no. Utica Queen is the physical embodiment of Julie Andrews singing I Have Confidence in Me in the opening titles of Sound of Music. And hey, Julie Andrews got to marry Christopher Plummer. So, you know, it, there's there's something to that attitude. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, so then the next day, the queens are in the workroom, and Rue comes in, next thing we know, he snaps, and they are speaking with Char Margolis, the Midwestern mom medium. I loved that accent. I loved those vowels. I think it's very funny that Rue's like, go see my psychic. Um, what did you think of this whole interview? I enjoy, like, uh, okay. I do not believe in psychics. I believe it is all basically cold reading, intuition, and some lucky guesses. And done well, I actually really enjoy watching that. Like, it's kind of fun to watch, like, a emotionally intuitive person expertly guide themselves through a conversation with a relative stranger. And this just felt real bargain basement to me. I'm like, someone grew up on a farm. There was a cow. 
You're talking to eight people. Did somebody's family have a truck? Probably one of them at one point. Are you kidding me? It was like it was just the weakest version of that cold reading. Like, oh, so uh, oh no, it's it's shooting fish in a barrel when you have that many people. Right, eight gays. Someone doesn't have a good relationship with their father. No. Yeah, I agree. Go on. <laughs> like something starts with this. Like, please. The cl- the cow's name was Clara. If she's if it wasn't Clara, it was going to be Elsie. Like, yeah, just no. come on. Like, it, it, I don't know. Like, nor done well. I can find that kind of grift real fun to watch. Like, there's almost like an agreement. Like, I'm letting myself be carried along by this magic trick. I know it's a magic trick. I know you can't really do whatever it is you're doing. Right. But I'm committed to the mutual illusion. And that can be fun for itself. And it can also inspire some, like, self-reflection. Like, I don't really believe in astrology. But about once a month, I have a day where I'm a little bit spinning and directionless or, like, anxious. And I will go on CoStar and read my my, like, my reading, my horoscope, and I know it's bullshit, but some part of it probably resonates with some real part of me, and I feel like it usually, the end result is that I'm, I feel more focused and centered on myself, and I feel much more productive in that ambivalence leaves. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm fully aware of what I'm engaging in. It's not very different than organized religion. If anything, I think it's better because I'm aware, like, this is a fallacy, but it can also be a fallacy for healthy internal reflection. But this oh, yeah. was and, bullshit and I thought it was... Like, it was so cheap that yeah. it was kind of funny and a waste of time. But I loved her accent so much that it amused me. Yeah. The, the closest it got to interesting was Rosé and Denali possibly having a crush on each other. But even that kind of petered out to nothing. I agree. Transitioning off of that. So, snap. The girls are back in the workroom. And Rue pairs them up. Rosé and Tina, Simone and Utica, Denali and Olivia, Gottmik and Candy Muse. I immediately thought Simone and Utica would be the winning team um, when I saw these pairings. Yeah, it, it's one of those, that, like, obviously pairing the whitest queen with a queen whose signature brand is is pride in, in being black. Like, yeah, there's there's like a bridge to gap here, but they're both like angular fashion models who can stomp a runway like no one's business and i'm like yeah they're they're gonna be fine because in order for them to not be fine one they would go home and i don't think the show's gonna do that yet oh i thought there was they i thought there was enough of an intersection of fashion queens who are actually very good contenders that i was like this may end up having echoes of a sasha and shea coulee 2.0 to it yeah yeah um and i'll i'll say that is a big statement i'm saying echoes like i got a hint of that i don't think there was enough going on for it to really get there but i do feel like they they're they did succeed in this challenge for a reason totally 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 um so we get the little walk around with rue and rue i like that rue said that gottmik looked black irish because right away she looked like so many emotionally stunted men on my father's side of the family um i was like you've got a good point but i've got to say that whole moment i thought it was about to turn into a 23andme promo rue was going to be hawkinancestry.com I mean, knowing Rue, that whole adoption talk felt way more like, do you ever find out, want to find out about your background? Well, you can. Like, that whole moment made me so... 
I was nervous the whole time because Rue will hawk anything. Oh, pl- please. It would have been like, we, we mopped one of your makeup brushes and sent it to them. Here's oh. your here's your results. We like, actually <laughs> brought your biological mother. <laughs> that's the that's the makeover. Just... <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, we're monsters. Um, that, that whole moment was amusing. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then the meat of this, like, prep and discussion time for me... Utica's concerns with doing the BAPS look that Simone wanted to do. Uh, I feel like Utica's concerns were valid. It was interesting to see them try to negotiate it. Yeah. There was nothing explicitly appropriative about the BAPS look. It was more of a movie reference and it's not like, a stereotypical hairstyle necessarily associated with black women. It is though the characters are black in it. In it was interesting to see that negotiation. I did feel like I didn't see Simone or Rue really know how to talk to Utica about this. And Utica really freaking out and not knowing enough to know how to do this respectively. What did you think of that whole edit? That was a lot. Um, it really for, was. For me I think it comes down to a couple of things. Like, taken with the Bob Ross squirrel wig debacle, it does start to... Utica, like, like it's very good to be respectful and consciously concerned about these things, but it starts to feel like, like, you don't want to let the conversation drift to Utica's anxiety of being a good ally is now all we're focusing on, because that's, like, that's its own form of, like, inappropriate space-taking. And I... I think it it felt to me like Rue wanted to lean into the idea that because there is a black person here co-signing this, you're fine. And I, I'm like, I get, I appreciate that, but part of me is also like, oh, that's like, er, it's really every, not, and it's not enough. Right. Everyone who does something dumb on the internet says, oh well, my black friend said it was okay. Yeah. No, that's not. That's not right. enough. Right. So there is a middle ground between saying like. As long as you come from a place of love, I'm like, okay, well, that's a subjective, like, like I certify that I come from a place of love. Well, okay, that doesn't help. It came out a lot better in the end than it did based on the conversation. But in that conversation, I'm like, I get Utica's concerns, but it, it I hate to say it, but like, Rue was just not the person to moderate this discussion. Oh, absolutely not. I don't think, I don't think Rue knows how to. I don't think Rue is sensitive or mindful enough anymore by today's standards honestly yeah um i think rue progressed a lot of society past where rue is now to be perfectly frank in the end for me it was it ended up being okay i think because it echoed the anne hathaway accent advice don't think of doing a people be it race or nationality think of a specific person and it seemed like once they were on the runway rehearsing and utica was like i'm not thinking of myself as emulating a black person. I'm thinking about myself as striving to emulate Simone's fierceness on this runway, which she was excited to do in a way that obviously portrayed a little bit of, there's a way in which I, it kind of feels like on some level, Utica's a big fan of Simone and had fun kind of in trying to physically embody Simone. And that's very different than like trying to, caricature a race or something which obviously you you should not be doing right you you took the words right out of my mouth i was literally about to reference anne hathaway like that comment yeah so i agree it's just 
she was she was doing a Simone impersonation. And like if you think about it, all the things she ultimately did to impersonate Simone are not things you would do if you were trying to do a like impression of like No, they were about a fierce individual who is an individual, not about right. a group of people. Right. Yeah. And not, and none of those things positive or negative were things you would try to incorporate into like some generic pastiche or caricature. So it re- it it did come off like yeah, that was a lot to watch. It was just like I felt everyone's anxiety vicariously in that whole setup. <laughs> I and I also I it is it is odd because I'm very curious. I would like to know more what it was like for Simone to sort of feel like I celebrate like black culture and this black American princess like iconic looking vibe is like important, but it's not it is not a black caricature. And if you're being an ally and you're supposed to be representing me on this runway, you need to be comfortable celebrating this, which is so much a part of my drag with me and as the person I'm making over. And I think, like, I wish I saw Simone saying that even in the confessional, if not to Utica. Like, it was... Yeah. I I think it was a stressful situation for both of them. I don't want to blame either of them. I do feel like while I was watching it, I, like, wanted to, like, intervene and have, like, an intervention. And, well, like, it was like... Yeah. The, the worst moment for me, kind of, was Utica explaining that dress of, like, oh, I'm, like, trapped in my skin. I'm like... Your metaphor is literally being trapped in your skin and confined by it by a queen whose very essence is celebrating their skin. Like, it was like, I don't know, like, Utica, you are too much of a theater kid trying to explain why your weird idea works. (laughs) So I actually thought that was great. And I think in the way that, like, it, it can be you, it can be the restrictions of your surroundings of the world, the way the world sees you. I think for Simone, who celebrates black culture so much, but in our larger world, we all know, like, discrimination is real. Your skin can hold you back from being seen as somebody who could potentially have this job or that job from some people and prevent you from getting hired, etc. And that's very real in this day and age. And I, I actually thought that was, like, a piece that had a great commentary that, Simone would be able to express and would in some way connect with some of her other messages. Mm. Even if it's like, it's not black empowerment. It's like a comment on your humanity, but being like stifled. Um, I, I don't know. I saw a tie in. I, I get that. But in the moment, it like, Simone had Simone was screaming behind her eyes a few times throughout the prep of this episode. Simone screams behind her eyes a lot, though. But yes, you're right. You're right. But yeah, it, it it was a real journey to witness. I'm glad it worked out for them. It did turn into something really memorable. But in the moment, it was a little stressful for me. On some level, I'm glad the show portrayed it. I wish we saw more of Simone. I also don't know how forthcoming Simone would have been altogether so i don't know what i don't know what audio they had to say yeah but um i will say that i think that we're in a space where it's like there's so much discussion and so much canceling and you know i agree with 90 something percent of it sometimes it's like i feel like this is misconstruing but okay 
Um, I think having something that sort of shows you can go too far and now you're at, it's like, I'm disengaging from your culture. Your drag is about celebrating your culture. And because I don't want to offend anybody, I'm now uncomfortable being your made over queen because I don't want to appropriate or anything. So I won't partake in celebrating your culture with you as you are trying to get me to, to represent your drag that is about celebrating your culture. Like you can, you can actually go too far where it's like, now you're a bad ally. Yeah. Yeah. And I I, feel like this like sort of does a weird job of highlighting how that can happen. And I, I do think we're at a place where there is value to that. Yeah, like I said, like I said, I think I think Utica's discomfort becoming the center of the conversation is like it's like essentially we're still caring about Utica's feelings even when the subject is Simone's blackness, and that's the whole problem. Um, I, I agree with that, and that that is part of my. I don't know if they have yeah. the sound clips to really cover Simone's internal feelings about this. If they did, I would have loved for them to share them, even if they were just in the confessional. I wonder if there aren't audio clips because Simone just didn't talk about it. And I also don't want her to feel pressured to talk about it because that's, there's a lot in there that just on a random day at work, you should not have to like pick apart and discuss. Like I'm sure there's a lot of things that tripped a lot of very personal things for Simone. And it would feel weird, even in the context of a reality show where you bear your soul on purpose to be like, I don't want you to be, coerced into having this conversation if you are not ready or comfortable having it yeah oh no i agree i agree um so yeah that was a i feel like we really covered that uh, yeah <laughs> um all right let's talk about the rehearsal on the runway i really loved that it was only when rose started mockingly exaggerating the advice that tina was giving her where she fucking killed it it's it screamed tina it absolutely was her physicality it was a what i love about it it was that fact is such a fucking read to the way that tina carries herself like yeah like you know when it's like the best read is an is a flatly stated ugly truth yeah that was that moment down and boy did they edit to make it clear anyways yeah. um, i thought that was so funny and i liked that rose couldn't stop being elegant and graceful like like did the arm thing gracefully like had sort of a pageantry showmanship about all of the way all of the physicality and like had to knock out basically grace from the way that she moved in order to be tina it was so funny to me i'm a monster go on sorry what did you think it was it was I, I agree. It was it was also fun seeing Rose called out a little for her natural instinct to add a flourish. I'm like, okay, this is this is funny and accurate. Um I loved watching Gottmik try to impersonate Candy Muse because just watch watching Gottmik crack up every time trying to impersonate Candy Muse just slayed me. Like I fell in love a little. I don't know why. Just what what watching Candy watching Gottmik try to be candy. Just comedy gold to me. It was. I do think she, like, oversold it in a way that Rue likes, and it worked for her. I think she did a good job on whole. I do feel like they, the judges, like, love, love, loved it in a way that I was like, 
Okay, I take back one of those loves, but work, queen. Um, know your audience. Um, but them doing that was funny. I loved Gottmik just really talking candidly about the noises she makes and the way she does the face and the things she kind of mutters to herself and that she's, like, always making noise while she's walking in the runway. They must think she's, like, crazy. And then Candy... Like, they included some of the... You know how they, like, clearly take the audio on and off of what's actually happening on the stage? Mm-hmm. There were a few, I don't I don't know if you remember this, but there were a few moments where you, like, definitely hear Candy, like, moaning, like, gorge to herself while turning. And they were great. I'm yeah. so glad they kept them. It felt like they just... Like, they were editing where they just turned the volume on so you'd hear that. And then they'd, like... But you got, like, two or three of them, and they were great. Um, yeah, I, I found way more than I thought I would have. I found watching the Queens rehearse and discuss their own physicality moving the stage and like their essence and era and their hand movements really amusing. And like a lot of them were more self-aware than I would expect from most drag queens. And, um, a lot of them got it down pretty well. Um, the only one that I thought was a failure was the Olivia, which obviously came to a head. I feel like they were talking through the essence of Olivia, but there's more energy to the way she does it. She was trying to get the soft, relaxed shoulders, but in the end it felt like Denali on an Ambien. Yeah. Um, but, Yeah. Even Olivia doing like the like trying to do the ice skater inspired walk kind of didn't didn't land for me like it didn't feel smooth or natural. Yeah, I feel like we we are we we should just segue from here. From, yeah, we're discussing the impersonations. Let's just talk about how they worked out. So for me, I, I already said what I thought about Denali, and I do I agree with you. I think the Olivia as Denali, the look. It hit it, but it didn't elevate it, but it was just sort of dead on, which is fine. That's, like, a fine place to land. I do think the, like, emulate ice skating was, like, that's not a motion that's natural for her. It's just going to look clunky and weird and not in a way that sells it. This is so ice skatery already. Ready, You really don't need, like, that was a bad idea. Yeah. Um, But I wouldn't say that Denali failed at this. I do feel a little bit like her makeup is... There's a lot of variance in how much she's blended, in my opinion, and yeah. how visible her eyebrows have been on this show. I do think she's experimenting and trying different things while on the show, and some of them work and don't. And it kind of felt like she did the worst makeup job she's ever done on this show on Olivia in a look that was iconically her, but not in a good way. Yeah. So yeah. I'll, I'll say I agreed with some of the bottom comments. Yeah, for me, the and I, I, I agree with all the comments about Denali as Olivia being kind of landing at just generic drag queen. I think what would have fixed it is I a think better... Olivia slowed her down so much. She was yeah. so set on slowing her down and getting in this soft, smooth, luxurious, like a like imperious lady cat kind of vibe that it's like that might get her to the right physicality, but now you need to like do it at like 1.5 yeah speed. It, and the the hair wasn't working for me like the I hair was to, not distinctly olivia yeah i hate to say it because i don't want to tread once again into the 
at, uh, to the fro conversation. But honestly, I think if Olivia had given her the wig she's worn twice, once in Snatch Game and once in the... Um, I forget what the chat... What was the runway? But it was, she was wearing a corset in that wig, and we all loved it, even though she was just wearing a corset in that wig. But, like, in that wig, I think that would have read more as Olivia. Yeah, no, I mean, they commented. It wasn't a hair that felt distinctly Olivia. It wasn't. And it didn't... Yeah. It didn't sell. And it didn't even feel like Olivia makeup on Denali to me. It kind of felt like she did Denali's makeup. Yeah. Sort of generically. Um, yeah. I, I'll say this. As far as I'm concerned, the only person who really didn't do this challenge was Olivia. And the one person where I'm like, clearly belonged at the bottom was Olivia. Yeah. I think Rosé and uh, Tina both really did what they set out to do. And within that, there's some reads on their own drag aesthetics. Um, which yeah. made them the like second lowest team, which oh, I yeah, think yeah. they belonged there. Oh, yeah. Uh, when I saw that, I'm like, well, you both did okay, but I also don't care. Like, I, I just didn't... Like, I didn't like that dress. And what was weird was the one time the predominant color isn't red, orange, or yellow is the time you're supposed to make this queen look like you. I agree. Like the, she didn't the, do her signature colors the one time. I mean, my honest it, feeling, we'll get to it, but Denali yeah. did not belong in the bottom. Uh, we'll get to my reasoning for that. And I debate between Rosé and Tina, which of them I would have put in the bottom. But Denali did not belong in the bottom. Yeah. Because Denali did what she set out to do. Yeah. And that, I mean, Tina's, Tina's face looked the best it's looked the entire season. Yes. Though I do wish that Rosé did anything to deal with her beady eyes. Like, yeah. what Tina does where she, like, creates raccoon eyes, that's not it. But also not trying to widen them is also not it. Also, did she... I understand she gave Tina her biggest outfit and it, like, barely fit her. So I guess there wasn't room for, like, more padding or something. But the shape was weird. Like, Yeah, no, it, it, was, it wasn't very padded. It, so it looked not or very corseted, padded. Appa- right, or corseted. Like, even cinching the waist a little would have made that look more rosé and more shapely. I don't know. It was just like... Like, I get you have to give her an outfit. And if this is the one that fits, it's the one that fits. But somehow... Something was... No, I do feel like... I know queens have gone away from sewing, you know? Like, beyond just being able to play designers, you can get a lot of XXXL stuff on Amazon now that's, like, weirdly good or tailorable to be good. I was a little with... I am a little, like, none of y'all bitches know how to sew. Like... You couldn't add a dart in that to just make a little make a little more room and a little more shape. Just, Do you just know what couple. I mean? Like, yeah, it just, it... I agree. Like, I I feel like a, a Manila or th- there's a class of older school queen that would have ripped a seam, added a panel, and then it would have fit like a dream, and it would have taken twenty minutes. Yeah, I think Candy took two of Got Mix looks, two identical, a black and a white tutu look that were like the same look, tore the seams and sewed them to create a garment that fit her for this. Yeah. And she was successful, and 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 they did a good job uh, of uh, cinching one of uh, yep. Candy's looks for Gottmik. I do wish Gottmik were. Did Gottmik need to be padded in Candy's look to really make it feel like Candy? Like just a little more shape, because she was still rocking the very non-padded chest, and I don't know. Like, did that work as Gottmik, or would have it looked? Would it have just made it look ridiculous? 
I don't know. Like, I would like to see Gottmik with somebody, but that's not what she does. And so I feel like Candy made the garment to the body that Gottmik presents, which I feel like is, on some level, it is a little like, is this you just being respectful? Yeah. And that's, that, that's enough yeah. reason, yeah. honestly. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I would have liked it more with padding. I think I would like to see Gottmik with padding. I think Gottmik does not want to wear padding, and that is their choice, not mine. Yeah, totally. Um, um, I actually, I, I loved uh, Candy as Gottmik. I was shocked by how effective it was. It was like, very good. Like, it was one of those, I appreciated the the shape of, like, basically doing, like, a Venetian carnival mask of yeah. Candy makeup instead of a full face. It, it And with the way it was framed with the hair, I'm like, huh, you, you took a woman whose face is, like, twice as big and a fundamentally different shape and still managed to evoke your drag in a way that really worked. Like, had you put Candy's entire face in that white makeup, it would look absurd. Oh, yeah, no, I agree. I agree. And it was, it was very, it really worked with this, like, half of the face yeah, element to it. Yeah, I was, I was shocked by how effective that was. I'm like, first, my one thought watching the promos for this was, whoever gets paired with Gottmik is going to do well. Like, if you told me, Gottmik's going to do your makeup, I would be like, yes. Because yeah, even no, if I, I go home, I'm going to look so gorgeous while I do it. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, no, t- completely. Um, so then, and I know we talked touched on it earlier. I loved seeing Simone, who I do see as having. They've talked about it. Like she's she can be kind of uptight in particular in life, and drag is in a way she, where she lets out. But I also think she is kind of perfect, and everything is thoughtful. Um, so seeing her have to, like, communicate, I think, a message that actually resonated her with this weird, arty look of Utica's, um, and do the physicality of Utica down the runway and kind of emulate the awkward body motions, but try to do it in a way that was communicating the restrictive, like, that your skin can be restricting. I mean, I'm gonna, I know you kind of said something slightly dismissive at the top of the episode about it, that, this was art, like... Do I off. feel... Yeah. It did. I do think uh, Utica will put colors that you don't usually see in makeup palettes, sort of looking like smears of paint or whatever that incorporate with other accessories on her looks, on her face. And I think with her very pale face, like a very pale blue, it you notice it and it adds to the arty element, but it doesn't stand out so much. Some of that on Simone, it just doesn't translate in the same way. Mm. Her skin is so dark that it pops in a way that makes it look... It really draws your eye in a way that I feel like is kind of distracting. It's like more of a visual deterrent to the experience of the look on Simone than it is on Utica. And so I would have left off some of those details. Mm. But I otherwise thought it was very effective and I was very impressed with Simone's ability to really perform it. Um Yeah, I I could I thought I could still clock like a little hesitance in the eyes, but she pushed through it. Um, I think I thought she really performed it. Yeah, I mean, I really, I feel like the when it's moving, you really see when it moves like that, and you see the fabric pushing against the bodysuit underneath it that you can see is like an you know a, basically a person with their skin peeled off. You really get a sense of like what this is and what it's saying that she's sort of struggling against it as she moves. Yeah. Um. Simone, yeah, she, I thought Simone did Utica's makeup like fucking perfectly. That was yeah, it's really hard to do somebody well of such a different complexion. Yeah, I'm very impressed. Yeah, I like, kind of feel like Utica told her what products she used, 
And then Simone was like, great, I'm going to use what you use on you, but I'm going to blend the fuck out of it. Yeah, it's like she altered the shape of her face just enough. She really did. Like, like it really, she really did. Like, reset cheekbones and face shape in a way that really did evoke Simone without even touching something like minstrelsy or something. It was really... And, and credit to Utica, she walked that look perfectly. She, she looked so excited to get to embody the power of Simone. Yeah. And I think that their comments on what they learned from this experience on the runway was like, that's the hallmark moment we want from Drag Race. Totally, like yeah. The, yeah. I, this may help me push me, myself outside of my comfort zone and do something that's like another type of artistic expression. This like taught me something about being like empowered in and of myself on this stage. Yeah. Like I love that was highlight of the episode. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Actually, that was the highlight of the episode, except for Denali commenting when they were talking to the medium. Utica's dead cow is talking to her from beyond the grave. Actually, never mind. That tracks. <laughs> that was great. Yeah, that was good. Laughed out loud at yeah. that moment. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, um, I will say collectively there were no stinkers on the runway. Like it was. It wasn't like a epic fail. On Denali. I, see, I think I think Olivia didn't do the challenge. It was, the and worst, I think I... everybody else did the challenge. Some of it was like, "Ooh, this is a this isn't the best statement on the quality of your drag," but you did it. <laughs> I, the only other one that I'd say would it would be Tina because, and here's the thing: Tina shouldn't be beating us over the head with her like red, yellow, orange thing. She really shouldn't. You're right that it's like, if you've been so monotonous this whole time, this is not when you break from that. Yeah. But I I do feel like Olivia just, Olivia didn't do this challenge to me. Yeah. I mean, I I agree with Olivia being in the bottom. I'm just thinking like, it was a, it was overall, I think a pretty good runway. Like this has been a pretty strong season of Queens. Totally. No, I agree. I agree. So, so Um, your bottom two would be Olivia and Tina? Yeah. I want to be, and I want to be clear about this. Whenever this show judges on teams, it's some bullshit. I can monologue for 10 minutes right now about the mistreatment of a mix of Mr. Brian Perkis, a.k.a. Trixie Mattel, in season seven of this show. And how how much Rue and Michelle failed to miss clear marketable talent as judges. Um, truly, could monologue, but I'll spare you all. I'll just say that whenever the show is like, we're judging in teams. It's their way of saying, we've already picked our top five. There are three of you remaining, and we're going to justify getting rid of somebody who did not do a bad job today. Yeah. Which they did twice to Trixie Mattel in season seven. Oh, yeah. they And they, they totally jammed Denali here. Just... <laughs> yeah, they... Like, Denali absolutely did the challenge. Had no business going home. Yeah. So that was fun. What did you think? Um, I didn't, I, for, I normally don't enjoy the who should go home tonight just because it's a bullshit question and they all give bullshit answers. Um, but I did enjoy Candy popping off that. I don't know. Just, it was was also like, they did a really good job and that is an iconic Candy Muse look. I'm surprised she was willing to sew that bodysuit down. Like I knew that look from Candy Muse from social media before this season and Gottmik is so that's so signature Gottmik like they were to me real close to winning this. yeah totally um that to say that is just like boy you really were reaching for straws weren't you 
yeah, you didn't want to say your teammate, which I get. But also, I love, I love, just never change, Candy. And you're not. Um, just. <laughs> no, she'll never be self-aware enough to change. Yeah. Um, but it was sort of the thing to me where it's like one person who's getting piled on said you. And you have only gotten positive comments otherwise. You seem real upset over, like, though like, nothing. Truly nothing. Yeah. Truly nothing. Yeah. Just the tiny self-awareness tells you she picked you for want of not wanting to pick Olivia. You take a deep breath and you move on. But it made for great television, so I guess that's what counts. <laughs> yeah. I was surprised the judges liked that so much. But whatever. I think they wouldn't have liked it from any other queen but Candy. Because that's Candy's brand. I guess. Um, I... <laughs> Their preoccupation with candy types makes me like, I mean, I get it on some level, but not on their level. All right. So we're at the lip sync and it's a song I'd never heard before. Mary Mary's Shackles, parentheses, praise you. Um, This wasn't my favorite lip sync. I felt bad for Denali to the point that I'm now softly thinking that much like All Stars, Queen should get like an opportunity to change. Like, I've watched enough lip syncs hobbled by a challenge look, which, if the look is responsive to the challenge, they shouldn't then be penalized in having an impossible lip sync. And it's the second time that Denali has been kind of, like, she made the ice skates work, and good for her, but it does feel kind of like, you should have the option. Maybe once, maybe once a lip in any lip sync, you get, like, half an hour to put on an outfit you can move in. <laughs> I agree. Um, the, the outfit was extremely restrictive. I do feel like on some level, it felt like Denali was trying harder and working harder against a dress and probably a song that's less in her wheelhouse. Yeah. And it felt like Olivia, who I don't think is as talented a performer, but has an enigmatic star quality and like a, a smile that could launch a thousand chips. It seemed like Olivia knew the song and was very relaxed in and of herself yeah. singing it in something that was easy to move in. And so I feel like Olivia won in a situation where I absolutely feel like if Denali was in a different dress, there's a very good chance she could have won. Yeah, Denali was like looking at her face. Denali was working it. Like, yeah. For so, sure. yeah, I got to say. Like, so yeah, do I think Olivia won? Yes, but with all the caveats you just laid out, totally. Yeah, so um, I do get annoyed when the show is like, we're, we're going to attempt to pull some bullshit, like, we're going to attempt to get away with some bullshit or pull the wool over your eyes right now with this, you're being judged as a team moment because we want to justifiably send somebody home who's been doing a good middle of the pack job that we're not getting like, we're not doing a whole lot of confessionals of theirs or whatever. So now we're just getting like, we're basically getting rid of, we've decided today we're getting rid of Denali and Denali didn't fuck up enough for us to justify it on that account. I honestly think this is that Michelle was upset and looked upset. I don't think she agreed with this. I think a lot of her body language during this communicated to me that she felt like Denali was being... Railroaded? Yeah. I don't think she approved of this. Yeah, there's something about, like... Even with Jan, Jan had, like, an explicit try-hard energy that actually made it almost make sense in a weird way, the kind of neutral treatment. Like, you can't beg for the attention, and I get all that. 
And I get that Denali was complaining about not getting more attention, but I didn't quite get the straight-A student try-hard from Denali. And... No, she wasn't annoying like Jan. Yeah. So I, I've really come to like her a lot. I think it was cemented after that first video, after the lip sync with Kimura. That fucking video, I watch that once a week. Yeah, no. Uh, it's, it's great. Have Did you, you see the statement she put out, by the way? Like on her Instagram today or yesterday? Um, I didn't see the statement. I did see the video she did to the song. Have you seen that? Okay. No, I haven't. Oh, yeah. So it's basically her really fucking ice skating on this lake in the mountains and she's beautiful and it makes it work for the song, which is because, you know, it, this clearly probably wasn't a song normally in repertoire, but she really found the artistry in it. And she looks amazing. And watching her do these figure skating figures on the ice in this crystal lake in the mountain, I'm like, wow, this is beautiful. And how the fuck did you get a camera up to the mountains? I'm just deeply impressed by this woman's, like, ability to make a thing. Um, yeah, no, I agree. She seems like she has a lot of ingenuity and ambition and enthusiasm to try things outside of her wheelhouse, which I love in any entertainer. And like she'd make friends with all the other homosexuals in entertainment and figure skating that she like she would be personable and kind and would have people happy to do favors would be happy to do favors yeah, for her. And, do you know what I mean? Yeah, and not not to spoil the video, but th- at the end of the video, there's a couple of clips of what is clearly like 12-year-old Denali figure skating competitively, and it is fucking adorable. That sounds very cute. She did put a statement, and I, I can't quote it right now, but on Instagram, it was basically like, you know, at some point I'll be able to talk calmly about like this episode, but in the meantime, what we're not going to do is attack my sisters and this, that, and the other. Like yeah. it was very, it was a very tasteful, yeah. like regardless of how the events transpired, what we're not going to do is like spew hate at, at Olivia. Other, yeah, yeah, like we're not going to do that. Yeah. So, it, which I thought she was very, it was a very tasteful statement. No, yeah, um, totally. Like I'm kind of in this weird space with Denali. Like I think she would do well on All Stars because I think you know with a second swing and like a little focus and distance i think she could really do well part of me is like i almost don't want that for you i want you to now just go have a career without having to put yourself through this ringer again in a way that i don't think is good for you like like it's one of those i don't want to watch you come and beg the show to pay attention to you if the show is not willing to do that because you're great and you should just go do that yeah no it's interesting you say that because i do feel like historically when i watch the show um, and then you see people come back for All-Stars. A lot of times, the really sharp queens, you get the sense, like a Katya, it felt like by the time she comes back, she's going to know what about her translates and also let go a little bit more. That you knew Katya on a second run would have a steep learning curve and do better. But I also feel like the judges were going to pay more attention because she was so beloved by the fans and uh, was so, such a success. It's like, for a while, it was like, what? I think WoW presents, like, number two show. And so there are other queens like that, whereas, like, a Kennedy Davenport, I think, doesn't fully have self-awareness or possession about her own strengths. Like, she, I think she's a comedic genius who doesn't necessarily know or nurture that she's a comedic genius. And so I don't necessarily expect that level of growth. For me, Denali is so willing to try almost anything ambitious and excited um and i do think she existed in the world of figure skating so long where it's like your torn tights as long as we can't see them are fine that i do think her 
she's a great contender, but her wardrobe was whack. And I don't think she has the self-awareness to know that or did on this show. I think if she came back to an all-star season with a totally different wardrobe, she, if it was judged fairly, would be a real contender for the crown. Yeah. I, and I agree with all that. Part of me is, it, my reaction is much more emotional where I'm like, I don't want to watch you crash on these rocks again for what I would, at some point it's like, for what purpose? Oh, I don't want her to do it if she doesn't want to do it. Yeah. And she's impressed me enough that I, I do feel like it does surprise me that more of these girls don't have talent scouts reaching out to them because I do think Denali is very castable. Yeah. In many forums. And it surprises, like, it surprises me that only, like, the Trixie, Katya, Shay, Rue are, like, the only ones with, like, real talent agents. And almost none of the girls on this show get talent agents. Because um, I feel like Denali has proven to me that she should be moving on to something bigger and better than Drag Race. Yeah. Where somebody else is picking her wardrobe. Yeah. Um, and on that shady comment, do you have anything else to say on this episode? The only thing that stuck in my mind that we haven't talked about yet was just I loved the picture of Denali's mom and her six degree black belt. I don't know. I Oh, I loved I loved the two of them connecting on strong women and their families. Yeah, yeah. And I also I love old family photographs from the sixties and seventies of moms doing shit. I don't know what it is like like I have a hobby and a life outside this family and here's like this beautiful faded photograph of it. That just gets that just hits me right it here. It does also feel like there was an era in culture at that time where like people felt like I don't know if there were like celebrity photographers or something where it almost felt like people wanted to take these candids like it was like oh i'm being a little artsy right now i'm taking this like candid a mom just like making pasta sauce yeah and i'm not telling her like i feel like there was a moment in the 60s and 70s where people were doing that and it felt very like we're being real yeah um but Uh, i i agree with you yeah so that was nice other than that um we are still now down we are we are heading into episode 11 and have seven queens left Oh, they were absolutely set on just extending this. What's weird is, like, there's so much that I don't remember from the top already that I am very, like, by the time this is over, I won't remember any of my first impressions from the first few episodes of these girls. Um, It'll be so far away. And I'll say this. Do I think it would be more satisfying if it was, like, tighter? A little shorter? Probably. Am I always... Like, I've said this when you've talked about oversaturation of the franchise, I'm really excited to have one new episode of Drag Race to watch every week. Like, I'd love that for the rest of my life. Like, I'm getting Wild Presents Plus as soon as the Down Under one comes out. I'm really excited to watch UK Season 2. I haven't watched it yet, but I'm excited. I am excited about that one. One of the, like, Judge, their Carson, what's his name, Reese something. I just watched his Netflix special, and I do love a shrill ginger twink, so I'm actually pretty excited about the Down Under one. That is very much up your alley. (laughs) Um, All right, I think that's it for me this week. Oh, yeah, me me too. I'm going to go take a nap uh, and uh, let let my body adjust to all this extra daylight. Sounds good. All right, thank you everyone so much for listening. I've been Condé Nasty. I'm Ursula the Sea Bitch. Bye. Bye.